We're going to start in Luke 24 today. It's kind of our main scripture reading for the day. Luke 24, starting in verse 1. Uh, this is what it says. It says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices that they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were beginning to wonder, as one would when you go to a tomb, expecting to find a body, and it's not there, they began to wonder what had happened. While they were wondering, suddenly two men clothed that clothed in ways that gleamed like lightning, stood beside them. Now, in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners. Be crucified, and on the third day, raised again. Then they remembered what he said. Then they remembered what he said. Today on this Easter Sunday, 2019, I want to bring a message to you entitled, High Fives and Chest Bumps. Turn to your neighbor and say, High Fives. Turn to your other neighbor that you like a little less and say, Chest Bumps. We're not going to ask for a live demonstration in your rows. That might be a little challenging today for some of you. High fives and chest bumps. You know, for centuries now, starting with the earliest church, they would greet each other and they would say something along the lines of, He is risen. And the person would respond back to them, He is risen indeed. Can we try that together? He's risen. Man, you guys are such good participants. I tell you what. And from early on, that was one of the greetings that they gave each other, especially on this day. You know, they, they used to look at their, 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 their Saturday as the most holy of days. And the early church took a bold stand and said, you know what, we're going to switch our main day of worship to Sunday to always commemorate and to, to integrate on the day where we're going to celebrate and remember that Jesus raised from the dead because that is the very act, that very thing forever changed history. This year, uh, I had the privilege, uh, just uh, several months ago, in fact, of coaching my son's basketball team in the Upward program. He's in second grade, and so I had second and third grade boys uh, to teach them the basics of basketball. And uh, while they didn't keep score officially, the boys definitely did. And I'd be lying to you if I told you that I wasn't keeping score too, because I absolutely was. See, I like winning. And the boys, they liked winning. But one thing I discovered early on as we got into the games, they would come off the court from their segment that they played, and they were so intense. They were so into it. They were so consumed in their little minds with what had just happened, whether they made the shot, missed the shot, caused the foul, lost the ball. They were so consumed with, with kind of the, the context of the game that they forgot to celebrate a little bit. And so I told them, from now on, every time we come off the court, it's high fives and chest bumps. High fives and chest bumps. And so these little second and third graders would start high-fiving each other. A couple of them liked to jump as high as I stood and tried to chest bump me. I had to be real gentle because, well, I didn't want to get sued by a parent because I knocked their kid out. 
It was just one of those things, high fives and chest bumps, because I wanted them to never forget to celebrate the progress that they were making. I think sometimes in our lives, we get so consumed with where we're at that sometimes we forget to stop and celebrate. For the early church, they didn't ever want to stop celebrating the resurrection. So they had their own version of a high five and chest bump. It was that little saying, he's risen and he's risen indeed. It was the the congratulatory moment where they remembered to celebrate what was going on. See, I believe resurrection is a reason to celebrate. I believe it's a moment to celebrate. In fact, I figured that if any man could live a life, foretell of his own death and the details of his own death, then die, be buried, and be raised back to life, and he accurately predicted and then pulled it off, we ought to go ahead and celebrate that. Anybody who can do that, I figure, is worth celebrating and learning from. There is a cause that we have for celebration. And I know that there are some comeback cynics among us. There are those comeback cynics who even from the earliest of days would be cynical about the resurrection. I mean, come on, dead and back to life again. Some of the cynical uh, kind of resistance to resurrection. You, you may have heard some of these. These may have been some of your own cynicisms and maybe they still are to this day. They, they would say things like, well, maybe he didn't really die. That's why he came back to life, because he never really died in the the first place. But history tells us, aside from the details that we have in Scripture, history tells us that, that the Roman centurions and their way of execution, it was intense as much as it was gruesome, and the descriptions that we have in history are accurate. They didn't, by any means, leave any doubt in anyone's mind that the person on that cross was indeed dead before they took them down. So that, that, that's not really a reason. I understand that that could be a pushback because you weren't there and it doesn't make a lot of sense. But the reality is just because you weren't there and I wasn't there doesn't mean it didn't happen. Just, just this last week, there was something highly unlikely, they would say impossible that took place. Uh, the NBA basketball playoffs are going on, and there was uh, two teams that were playing. It was uh, the Los Angeles Clippers and the Golden State Warriors. The Golden State Warriors are like the superstar team to beat. And uh, at one particular point in the game, very late in the game, the Clippers were down by over 30 points. And statistics were out that the probability of them making that comeback and winning were 0.01%. So you're saying there's a chance. (laughs) And wouldn't you know it, they came all the way back and won. It's highly unprobable. I wasn't even there, but that doesn't mean that it didn't take place. There are a lot of cynicisms that would say, well, they just kind of stole his body and that his body wasn't there. They they just kind of took it and ran with it and they didn't want to tell anybody about it. And so they fabricated this story uh, that now he was alive. Here's the only problem with that. If you're going to fabricate a story, you need reliable witnesses that would help people believe. But the, the thing of it is, is that Jesus showed up to women first. And that's not a degrading statement. What you need to understand is in that culture, women were not only not allowed to testify, they were considered unreliable testimonies at that. But that's what I love about Jesus. That's why I, this among many reasons is 
one of the reasons why I have no problem with women in ministry, because Jesus went to them first and said, hey, I I want you to be the first ones to carry this message. Nobody's going to believe it, but that's just kind of the savior that I am. I'm going to buck tradition. I'm going to go against the grain and I'm going to break out of every stereotype that you've ever thought of somebody qualified and gifted and able to carry this good news. And I want you to be the first ladies. And so he appeared to women first and they took the message. And if you were going to fabricate something and get people to believe it, that wouldn't have been the person that you wanted to tell the story because the doubts would have already begun to circulate. So I realized that we have this comeback cynicism that we're, we're not there, but then you've got to take it one step further and recognize that it wasn't that Jesus just showed up and, and was presented to those ladies. He presented himself to hundreds others. In 1 Corinthians 15, check out these words from the Apostle Paul. It says, for what I received, I've passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas. And then he appeared to the 12. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Check this last part. Most of whom are still living. And as the gospel writers and the apostles began to write and tell of the story of Jesus's resurrection, the people who with their own eyes saw Jesus walking around in bodily form were still alive to say, that's true or you're a liar. Don't use my name. That's not true. I never saw it. I didn't see what happened. They could have easily refuted the claims. But Paul writes and says, no, no, no. He appeared to all of these people, many of whom are still alive and giving personal witness accounts that I was there. I saw the improbable comeback. I saw that he came back to life. I was there. I saw it. And what's really interesting is that this particular letter, this this moment that we're hearing where these people were still alive, it wasn't some hundreds of years later. This is uh, 56 years after the resurrection. 56 years. So those people who may have been a little bit younger following Jesus, they've only aged 56 years, still well in their right mind. What's interesting, uh, and you might say, well, that's just the Bible. We can't really follow what the Bible says. It's just a book of antiquity and those things. But what you have to understand is that the Bible is one of the most reliable texts known to man that we have of antiquity to this day. Even things that you know about Alexander the Great. See, we have very few copies of the original manuscripts and the earliest writing of those manuscripts is close to 400 years after the events occurred. With the Bible and the New Testament alone, we have countless numbers of manuscripts written as early as 20 and 40 and 50 years after the events. And when it comes to accurately giving credence to documents of antiquity, that's exactly what you look at. Number of manuscripts and the amount of time from when the events happened to when the events were written about. And nothing compares to the number of manuscripts and the, time, the minimum time lapsed to which we have in the New Testament alone. Did you know that there are over 61 unique prophecies in what we call the Old Testament that talk about Jesus' life, his birth, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, describing 
some very interesting details. 61 of them. He fulfilled every single one. I know that there might be some cynics as it relates to comeback, but I'm telling you, we have a cause to celebrate today, friends. We have a cause to hang all of our life around this man, Jesus, and what he did, and the fact that he rose again. It's not hearsay. It's not a fable. It's not made up. It's not trying to force fit something. It wasn't fabricated to create a life because who wants to give themselves up? Because many of these people who wrote these things and testified of these things lost their life. They lost their life for what they believed in. 61 unique prophecies from the Old Testament to the New Testament of God basically saying eight ball corner pocket of, of Jesus standing at home plate, pointing out to center field, calling his shots and like Babe Ruth, pull it off. It, it, Old Testament prophecies is like Jesus letting us know what's going to happen. Then it happens. And then we're like, ah, oh, he was right. If you just take eight of the prophecies, just eight of the prophecies, the statistical probability of Jesus fulfilling eight of them to the T is one in 10 to the 17th power. Which it's like if you take the state of Texas, cover it in silver dollars, two feet deep. The entire state of Texas covered in silver dollars, two feet deep. Pick one coin at random, put a little X on it. Shuffle them around and redistribute them all over the state of Texas, two feet deep. Blindfold a man, have him jump from a helicopter, have him land down parachuting, randomly grab one of the coins and pick it up with the X on it. That's the likelihood that Jesus would fulfill eight prophecies. Y'all, 61. Not just eight. 61. Friends, when I tell you that there is great cause to celebrate today, I'm not just trying to blow smoke. I'm not just trying to uh, share some propaganda with you. I'm telling you of something that has radically changed my life, has radically changed countless others, and is still creating echoes of change all throughout history and the world today. Why? Because Jesus is alive. It's a high five chest bump kind of a Sunday today because we have cause. And, and, and not only that, but Jesus himself spoke of his own resurrection. At least three different and distinct times, Jesus foretold or prophesied and said, hey guys, I'm going to be handed over to the Romans. They're going to they're crucify me. They're going to whip me. They're going to beat me. I'm going to die. I'm going to be buried but just for three days, because in three days, I'm coming back. In three days, I will give you cause to celebrate. In three days, I will do it. And not only did he foretell it, but he also proved that he could do it before it happened. There are at least a couple uh, recorded uh, instances where somebody was dead. Jesus went and commanded life back into them, and they got back up. The only difference between them and Jesus is that he never tasted death again. They eventually all died again. But at once they were dead and they came back to life. And, and we find one of those stories in John chapter 11. And we've been in a series here entitled Guess 
who, where we've been looking at some of the identity statements that Jesus made about himself and understanding what Jesus said about himself helps us understand who we are. Understanding who Jesus said he was helps us live with purpose in who we are. And that's kind of what we've been walking through and and talking about as a congregation. And today we're wrapping up that collection of messages as we look at the very last one that Jesus made. And we see that he made it in John chapter 11, starting here in verse 25. Here's a little bit of a backstory. Jesus had 12 disciples, but there are a lot of other people that followed him. Some of his other close friends who weren't among his disciples were uh, three siblings, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Jesus was away from Galilee and away from the area when Lazarus got sick and then he died. And so they buried him and put him in a tomb. See, they had sent word to Jesus when he was sick and saying, hey, he's about to die. We're calling all the family and friends for these last few moments. This is it. This is it. This is it. And, and they knew. They had an expectation. They had this, this thing inside of them that says Jesus can heal. If Jesus shows up, he can heal Lazarus. And then we don't have to walk through this crushing moment in our lives. So they had sent word from Jesus, but Jesus didn't show up when they wanted him to. And Lazarus at this point had been dead for four days in the ground, in the tomb. Four days wrapped up in grave clothes, dead and gone. And they were still grieving when Jesus finally shows up. And we hear a little bit of their exchange of conversation in John 11, starting at verse 24. Jesus says these words to Martha. He says, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus came and he wanted her to remember and understand that he was and is the resurrection and the, and the life. But see, one of the reasons why we stop celebrating, it may not even be because we have cause to believe it, because in your life, you probably uh, at one point or another and may currently are, believe that, that Jesus is who he said he was, that he really did raise from the dead. That, that may not be your problem. That may not be your issue. That may not be why you haven't been in church for a while. That may not be why maybe this is the first time you've ever been in church. That, that may not be uh, your thing because you know he can. The problem is something in life has crushed you. Because here's what I know about life. Life can crush us sometimes. We can walk through things that leave us devastated, leave us heartbroken, leave us wondering why or how. See, it could be the, the bankruptcy that you had to file twice. Could have been the pink slip that you got from your job. It could have been a sickness that you were born with that you wish you never were born with. Those little things begin to to crush us and eat away at who we are. It, It could be the rejections that happened in your life while you were in middle school or in high school and you carry around those scars still to this day because something inside of you, something outside happened, but inside is where you really feel crushed. It's really where you feel upset. It's really where you feel frustrated. It could have been a prayer that you prayed that never got answered and it crushed you. It could be because you don't really see the reason to stop. Maybe maybe some of your crushing has just been because you've been a casual Christian letting Jesus be an add-on to your life rather than living your life like he actually died and raised to life for you. 
There's crushing that happens in all of us. It could have been the divorce that you never wanted, but it happened. And then it happened a second time. And you're left wondering if anything good in your life could ever come. Because one thing I know is life brings us pain. And there is a crushing. And Martha, she was crushed. Mary, she was crushed. The women who came to the tomb, they were crushed. They were devastated. The disciples who were cowering in fear, wondering if anybody would find out who they are, wondering if they could just slip away and never be noticed again, wondering what was going on. See, see, they were crushed because they thought that Jesus was going to come and make everything right and be victorious and be their king. And, and they wanted it all politically to take place. And they were wanting everything in their life to be made perfect. Friends, if somebody told you following Jesus would make your life perfect and happy, they lied to you. And I'm sorry. Because whether you like it or not, crushing comes for all of us. It doesn't discriminate. Disappointment shows up in all shapes and sizes, in all seasons and in all realities. It comes to us and it can crush us. And if we're not careful, it can keep us from celebrating who Jesus is. See, here's, here's, here's what really happens in the crushing. When your expectation of God doesn't meet up with your reality, you feel crushed. When your expectation, let me, let me bring it a little bit low. When the expectation of what you would consider the church doesn't meet your expectation or your assumption, it can leave you crushed and walking away. Crushing happens with all of us. Why? Because we live in a broken world. We live in a world that is full of these things. Anytime our expectations, our assumptions, even our preferences... Don't line up with what we experience. It can leave us a little bit brokenhearted. See, it's in this moment of being brokenhearted that Jesus comes up and he says, Hey, listen, Martha, here's the deal. I know what you want. You wanted me to heal your, your brother. I know that's what you wanted. But that's not what you need. I know what you wanted me to do was fix the marriage before it fell apart, but that's, that's not what you needed. I know what you wanted was for life to be smooth and to have the picture-perfect life and to be able to celebrate it on Instagram, hashtag blessed, and all of those other things. I know that's what you wanted it to look like, but you're being crushed because sometimes what we expect of God isn't actually what we need from God. What we expect or assume from God isn't necessarily what we need from God. See, what... Martha wanted was for Jesus to heal. But what Jesus knew that she needed was a new belief system. And sometimes it's only in the moment of being crushed. It's only in the moment when we realize that Jesus has to be crucified. That we can actually understand that what we need is a different way of believing. A different way of believing. We need a different perspective in this. We, we don't need to let God take a back seat. We don't need to let him take a back seat to the pain because those ups and those downs, they're going to come. And if our assumption is it's all going to be smooth sailing, if our assumption is that God is the genie in the bottle, that we can do the right Christian dance and it comes out and he grants us all of our wishes. If we live with this perspective that it's not going to be hard or challenging, if we live with this perspective that, that if we end up feeling crushed, then God must not care anymore. If we live with that belief system, we're wrong. See, the disciples were wrong. 
Mary and Martha were wrong. They had the wrong perspective as it relates to the crushing that often they experience. And I know that it cuts us deep. Being crushed isn't easy. I remember when the foster daughter that we had in our family that was already crowded. We had six kids. My parents had filed bankruptcy at least once in our lifetime growing up. And they had taken in a baby whose mom was addicted to crack cocaine. And this baby was eating through tubes. And I remember when she came into our house, I absolutely hated her. But then as my heart began to melt and God began to do something in me, I fell deeply in love with her. And then she died. And I was crushed. As a high schooler, crushed. 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 I know what it's like to walk through pain and disappointment, to have prayers that don't go answered, and to wonder why, and to wonder what, and and, and where my expectation of how God is going to do it and fix it and play it doesn't meet, it doesn't show up because sometimes it's not my expectation that needs to change. It's my belief system that needs to change. And we get crushed. I heard recently that your brain can't quite delineate and differentiate between the pain of a broken arm and the pain of a broken heart. That's why internal trauma is just as dangerous to our minds and our souls as having some external crisis. Because when something happens to your arm and it can get healed, it may be crushed for a season, but it can be remedied. It's the internal things that crush us in life that sometimes take our breath away, that sometimes create these internal bleedings and breakings, and we're not sure what to do with those. Friends, next Sunday, we're starting a series entitled Freedom, where we're going to look at the things of our past that maybe have crushed us, And see how Jesus wants to bring healing to us instead. Here's what I mean. Isaiah 53 and verse 5 says this. But he, meaning Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. That's an external wound. Pierced in his hands. He was pierced externally for our transgressions. He was, check this out, he was crushed for our iniquities. That's internal. One version says he was bruised for our iniquities. Bruising is internal bleeding. The punishment that brought us peace was on Jesus. And by his wounds, external and internal, we are healed. We are healed. We are healed. Friends, Jesus came to bring healing to your spirit to take care of your sin problem. He came to bring healing to your soul, all of the bruises internally that have left you bleeding and broken and wondering, how can I move on? I am crushed in this life, devastated by what's going on, betrayed by my friends. He was crushed for you and for me. By his wounds, we get healed. Friends, we have a reason to celebrate. There's a cause to the celebration. We can give still high fives and chest bumps even if we feel crushed. Why? Because it's in the middle of our crushing that we can remember his cross. 
And because of the cross, we can live with confidence, knowing, as Romans 8.37 says, No, in all these things, whether we're good or we're bad, whether we've succeeded or we feel like a failure, whether every prayer we've prayed is being answered or we feel like God is silent, whether we're excited or we feel crushed by life, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You can be a conqueror today. I don't know what's crushing you, but you can be a conqueror. Why? Because Jesus stepped onto the cross and he conquered death for you and for me. His love is immense and his love is great. He's not looking for you to perform, for you to have perfect church attendance, for you to have it all dialed in on the outside. No, he knows you're crushed. He knows you're reeling. He knows you're doubting. He knows that you're walking in pain and he loves you all the more. Friends, Jesus didn't come to make bad things better. To help you become a more moralistic person in your life and to tidy up your life so people quit judging you. No, no. He came to make dead things alive. He came to bring the things that you've already wrapped up in the grave clothes, the things that you've buried long ago, the things that you've tried to ignore and forget, but they keep pulling you down. The addiction that you've overcome once, yay, a second time. And now you're trying to get past all of those things. He came to make those things be full of life again. Why? Because it's not what you think that you need. It's what I know that you need. And that's a new belief system. It's a belief And that no matter what circumstances say, the cross gives me confidence. Because while you were still a sinner, while you were still stuck in that alternate lifestyle, while you were still stuck addicted to drugs, while you were still stuck cheating on your spouse, while you were still stuck being angry and abusive to the people around you, while you were still stuck living on your high moral ground because you've been to church your whole life, but you've never once really started to serve God with all your life. Just because while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you on the cross. And that's good news because he conquers our sins so we can live forever. It's remembering what he did so that we can conquer all of the things that we did. His cross has the final word. Listen, you can celebrate today because the cross wants to make you more than a conqueror. Doesn't mean you won't be crushed. Just means that you have cause for confidence because you know that he has won And he works those things out for you and for me. Here's what I know. You can't have wine without grapes that have been crushed. And you can't have salvation without something else dying. You can't have resurrection life that God wants you to have without you being willing to bury your old ways of thinking your old belief system. It's when you choose to put your faith in Jesus today that you then can have confidence as well. Makes you want to high five and chest bump all around because something new takes place and you yourself have that victory. Friends, whatever it is that you are facing, 
Maybe for you, this is a fresh start, a new start in faith. You, you for the first time, want to say yes to Jesus. Maybe for some of you, this is all about a restart. Hey, we don't get to hit reset on our lives, but we also get to start again. We get to start again in this pursuit of following Jesus. No one is too far to come to the foot of the cross because on the foot of the cross, it's all level fields. It's all a level field. And you too can have confidence knowing that Christ can conquer everything that you face because he decides to walk in it with you even if it's not an immediate rescue from it. We have confidence in who God is. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? Every week we want to take a moment and just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what what are you saying to me today? What are you saying to me today? Friends, you might be here and you say, Pastor, I'm walking through a a really crushing time. There's, There's a season of being crushed. I have some expectations, but maybe it's not what I need. I need Jesus to be in this with me. I need him to bring peace into this situation. If, if that's you and you're saying, I'm, I'm going to walk in confidence knowing that Jesus has done that for me, but, but I'm walking through a, a tough season, would you pray for me? Just put a hand up in the air real quick and you just slip it right back down. We're not going to ask you to just hand up, hand down. Thank you so much. Father, I pray right now for your people, for those that are gathered, my friends and family. God, I pray that your spirit would be at work in their hearts. Lord, where our confidence may be shaken, may we shift our confidence away from our expectation, but shift our confidence into the cross that proves your love for us. And may we walk boldly with that. In Jesus' name, still all praying together. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to restart my faith or start my faith again. I believe that he's the son of God and I want to follow Jesus and I want this new life that he provides. I want to ask Jesus to be my Lord in my life. If that's you, would you just put a hand in the air and you can put it right back down. Hand up and a hand back down. Thank you so much. Saying yes to Jesus. Saying, God, I want to follow you. I want to surrender to you. We'll wait just another moment. Wait just another moment. Friends, let's all pray this together aloud, making confession to the Lord. I'll lead out. You repeat after me. Father God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending your son. He may have not been what I expected, but he's what we need. Thank you that he died on the cross, that he was buried, but he raised again. I believe Jesus, you are the son of God. I put my faith in you. Wash me clean. Make me new. Thank you, Jesus. I love you. And I'm going to follow you. In Jesus name. Amen. Come on, church. Can we celebrate? Celebrate with those.